0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Stacy West podcast. My name is Gary, you probably know that by now, and you probably know who I'm going to be joined with. The powers of deduction mean that it's Mr. Lamming again. How are you doing, my friend?
3: Hello, mate. I'm very, very well, thank you. Certainly better than you and your motor, I I reckon.
1: Oh, you've got that one straight in there. I was going to say (laughs) how we hadn't done a podcast for a couple of weeks together, because obviously you've been with Ben, and I've done it with uh, Charlie, and you were in Berlin, and I was in uh, the Peak District. But no, you've gone straight for the jugular. (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) straight for the jugular so for those listeners who don't follow on twitter and and don't pay a lot of attention to my social media owning um some bad luck for fellas on the way home from the oxford game so the the first bit of bad luck was i trod in dog shit um oh an expletive 52 seconds in well done gary um so basically my old man always go he always wants to leave if it was up to him he'd leave on 85 minutes i know he would so he would he went out and waited um, and I had Chris and our mate Dave in the car as well. Now Chris won't leave his seat until the final whistle is gone. So inevitably, there's always a period of time waiting. I, I like to just be—I like to be able to see the final whistle go. But as I'm going down that little tunnel, I'm kind of in the middle. So I went over and stood by my dad, and it's wet, and there's been rain co- river coming over, hasn't there, onto the. And I thought I was—I tr- thought I put my foot in moss. You know where you put your foot in somewhere, and it's a little bit soft. But there's water and everything about. And I'm thinking, nice. And it was just at a half turn that I I just felt it go. And I felt that warm. And I'm like, oh, God, no. So I trod in shit. Luckily, I had a change of trainers in my car. We get in the car. Literally, we've pulled out onto Pelham Bridge. I've put my clutch down. And as I've lifted my foot up, the clutch hasn't come up. So I knew something was was wrong. Um, I'll be honest, Chris. I didn't get a lot of help, did I, on the way home in terms of advice from dad? Because I was fishing for it. And I wasn't getting an awful. I wasn't getting an awful lot of help. I, I'd talk to him about it, and after about five minutes, he'd just look at me and go, "You what?" As a, and he didn't have his, his ears in. So um, yeah, and then we've got just through Langworth, and apparently I shouldn't have changed gear, but I had. Well, you only found guy.
3: that out after you'd done it. And then, in fairness, neither Dave or myself were particularly great helps in those situations because I am not at all technically minded, and I get the feeling Dave isn't either. Uh, so uh yeah so we were kind of (laughs) sat in the back just kind of observing thinking this is going to end badly isn't it and uh (laughs) it did
1: well I I thought I'd be all right because I could still change gear and the clutch was still going down and if dad had said to me well don't change gear as much I wouldn't have done I would have nursed it home in fifth but I don't know anything about cars and he wasn't offering me any help. So when we were coming into Langworth, I was dropping it into fourth and then up to fifth. And if there was a car, do you know what I mean? I was going through the gears and and then eventually I couldn't get the gears. So we left the car on the side of the road. I got home, I think, about um, quarter past half past 11. So, yeah, that was a bugger. And it wasn't like it was a great game of football either, was it?
3: No, it wasn't ideal. Um, and, it's nothing to be course, worried about, in my opinion, with the game. But, that, yeah, it certainly wasn't a... It was a bit of a nothing game. It's one of those that we'll kind of forget about probably in six months' time that it even took yeah. place.
1: I forgot about it a bit, to be honest, by the time I got home. Um, but, yeah, it was it was one of those things that, like you said... Um yeah, it was a bit of a nothing game. There was certainly more to me carrying a bag full of shitty shoes in the back of Dave's Mrs's car when she came to pick me up and, and drive me all the way back to uh, Withcore, which was very kind of her. And Dave, actually, as soon as we got in the car, Dave said, oh, yeah, he's trodding crap as well. And it's, like, oh, brilliant. I've just got in the back of her car. She's doing me a brilliant favour. <laughs> and Dave's there going, oh, he's doing crap. But well, on the plus side, Dave did ask me to be his best man on uh Tuesday night. So that was an honour. Um he says there won't be a speech and he's already organised a stag weekend. So, you know, it's basically just, you know, it's just affirmation, isn't it? It's just kind of a badge that I can wear, which is great. Ah, Should we talk about football?
3: Let's try. Yeah. Oh, all yeah. right. Yeah,
1: that was a bit eager, wasn't it? No.
3: It's like if Have we you... must about the Oxford game, really, isn't it? That's going kind to of how it, it, feels. it doesn't
1: look it. You're broadly smiling. You look like you're getting excited. I'm, I'm a a little little mood, in a good
3: mood, Gaz. I'm in a good mood. I'm
4: a happy man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why? Any reason? Yeah. Life's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it is, to be fair. I don't have a car. I've got an Adidas trainer covered in shit, but yeah, life's cracking. Um, yeah. So, Oxford United. Look, the, the thing is, it was always going to be um, a tough game. I don't think that there's any doubt about that at all. Um, but we started. I mean, I'm not going to talk about team selection because it, it was what it was. Danny Mandria, Jack Bell coming back in. We started really well. First ten minutes, I thought we looked we looked lively. We we're putting some nice patterns of play together. We were asking questions. Was it a case of just a little bit of exuberance, and then we they they forced their way in, or was it the goal that changed the
3: game? Mm. I think it's two or three small factors that maybe all had an in, an impact. Firstly, we did start so well; you can't maintain that start for whole game, and it was more territory. We had a lot of set pieces. We kind of got the ball into their third early early game, and. We kind of didn't let them out really for for a couple of minutes. We didn't make it pay as such, but it was a positive start. You'd much rather see the ball that end of the pitch than the other, of course. In the midst of that, their right wing back, um, Long, went down injured, of course. And then after a bit of a delay, substitute came on. Now, why Scout says that they played a back three um, slash five for the full ninety minutes, I don't agree with that at all. No. I think they 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 changed to a four a back four at the point of changing that, and I think that system helped. Um, I don't know if it was. The tactical change had an impact on Oxford or it was just that was a kind of coincidence. But the fact that we had a bit of territory and then couldn't really get a foothold in the game, they had changed shape and then did get a foothold in the game. There's kind of all those like three little elements played a part, I think. And and the other part of it, to be honest, is the fact that Oxford are just really good. They're really, really good. Um, In possession, yes. Particularly out of possession, I was super in, well, Going to t- we're going to touch on passing um, statistics in a bit. I've done a little bit of digging here, and it, was, it, it kind of just proves the point. But I've, there's maybe a little bit of criticism about the fact that we had a lot of possession in our back three. We, we, we didn't penetrate the ball forward very well with we a lot of backwards passes, for example. But you know what? There was no other options. Um, Oxford shut off a lot of those passes for us. We'll touch on that in a bit. But in regards to the goal, as good as Oxford were for the majority of the 90 minutes, soft goal, isn't it? Really soft goal, that first one. More post-corner again
1: it's to joe i'm just sat there thinking it's ground dog day I, I genuinely was it's like it's west ham again it's carlisle again there was another one i can't remember where it was um exactly the same thing it was the own goal wasn't there from from burton it's it's near post corner time after time after time um and i don't know I, i've watched it back and i've watched it back in slow motion and i still can't figure out who's meant to be marking him i don't know if it's jack vale who comes across i think comes across with him when he makes the contact got to be better and and Joel we, it, it, Tom Shaw spoke about learning instances that's the big learning instance right there is defend set pieces into the box
3: yeah that certainly was the the big turning point we've mentioned the injury we've mentioned maybe our our good start that's difficult to maintain but of course it was that turning point and let's be honest yeah they were really good from that point but it was actually their first attack and We didn't really make them work for it. They were a good team, but you want to make a good team work for a win. If you go out of the game and you get beaten by the better team, which we did, I've got no issues with the overall result, but I would have liked them to have had to score a good goal. Um, And that first one wasn't. It was a a soft goal. It's another near post corner. And we we have to learn to deal with those. It must be structural. I said at the start of the season when we, we considered the first couple of these, thinking we were so good from set pieces last season, there doesn't seem to be anything massively structurally kind of no structural issue here, but it's a recurring theme now to the point where there must be something there. I haven't spotted actually what the actual issue itself is, but there clearly is one. Um, so that's on Tom Shaw to try and try and fix, and he mentioned it after the game.
1: Yeah, do you know what it's hard because I've watched a couple of them back, um, and like Jordan Borough has gone, Boris has gone to block Jack Boroughs. Jack Boris, Jordan Borough, bloody hell. Do you know what? I know why I've got him in my mind because we're playing Morecambe. Um Jack Burrows, near post, he's gone to defend it against Burton and he's sliced it in. It's it's almost like it's the same outcome, but we're trying different things to stop it each week. And it, yeah, OK, the, the Suchek one, you can kind of understand you concede into a Czech international, you know, big, strong, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I don't, I'm i not 100% convinced it was a corner in the first instance. Yeah, that was the big game, talking
3: just... point. Yeah, I agree. That was the first thing I put in our group chat was, yeah, it's annoying that we've, it's soft goal, but was it even a corner in the first place? Um, but it really was on that point that the the shift in the game really changed because Oxford were excellent from that point. But let's be honest, yeah. they didn't need to maybe be quite as offensive and front foot and attacking as maybe they would have preferred to but at no, because they'll they come into this with a thinking it's three points here for them. this is a winnable game for them they certainly wouldn't have been turning up on Tuesday night playing for a draw they may have been content with it over a, a hard 90 minutes but you know they'd have been there wanting to try and win the game and trying to you know be on the front foot and once they've gone a goal up they didn't need to really attack quite so aggressively but they were really impressive in possession they kept the ball so well so in those deep positions they always seem to have an extra player they just those looked so well drilled, didn't they? But it was like I said earlier, it was the out of possession shape that really impressed me. Like the amount of times that we had, you know, we just didn't have an option. We had players forward, but all the passing lanes were just cut off. And that's just really intelligent out of possession play. You just sometimes got to go fair deuce. You know, that's the that's the one you mentioned this before. That's the one variable you can't you can't train for is the opposition, isn't it? You know, you play against a different opposition every single week. So even if you try and do the same things every week. You're going to get slightly different outcomes against different opposition. And sometimes you've just got to take your hat off and go, you know what? Fair play. Good.
1: Yeah, I agree. They definitely went to two banks of four as well, without a doubt, because we, um, we were kind of, I don't know if there was a kind of a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one or something like that. I don't really know. But um, yeah, I, I, you're quite right. I just thought I thought Oxford were, were superb after that. Um, I really did. I think Liam Manning's got them really well drilled, and and you know he, he struggled at MK Dons, and they they blamed recruitment. And actually, I thought MK Dons you know, it was a little bit kind of slap slap happy recruitment, if that's such a thing. I don't know if it is actually just slapdash kind of just throwing things at it. And whereas I think Oxford's recruitment was has been very good. I think they've got really good technical players, Um, and I think. You talk about the passing lanes being cut off. I felt that our midfield looked a little a little dysfunctional at times. And I think that was because of the opposition, as we've just said, rather than the fact that we weren't playing well. But there's no doubt in the first half that there was also one or two players who weren't really at it. Um, I think Danny mandroya was trying hard to force it, which is kind of what Tom wants, Tom Shaw wants. He said, I want people to be brave and I want people to take those 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 chances. I think with Danny mandroya it was... It was highlighted because he was coming back in off the back of the controversy that every ball he misplaced around me, it was size. It was, uh, whereas other players like last perhaps get away with it a little bit, but there's no happy medium, is there? It's, we try something and it doesn't come off the fans kind of some, some fans, or there's an element of, of, of kind of unhappiness. We don't try something and we go backwards and it's the same thing. And, you know, do you know what? I, it takes me back to the COVID season. I think this is why Michael Appleton's team was so successful in 2020-21, is there wasn't that pressure that when they played a ball and it went astray, that there was going to be kind of a, a, an audible groan or an audible kind of sigh. And you know, that is the case now. It's natural. I'm not having a pop at fans. But I just felt that frustration grew in the first half when, you know, actually, I don't like free hit actually when you're playing a team second in the table as 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 relatively complete as oxford are given that we've just taken seven points from nine i thought that maybe the pressure should have been off a little bit
3: yeah two points really i think firstly on mandroy i actually thought he was all right in the first half um i don't mind him trying those things because they didn't all come off but he sees he sees passes that other players don't see he often sees passes that fans don't see as well Um, let's not forget his his really good counter attack off a corner he got a shot away basically ran the length of the pitch Probably our best chance of the game, to be honest. And certainly in the first half, he tried to make things happen. That's his job. Um, didn't always come off. And he did fade as the game went on. But also, that's, like we said, Oxford's defensive structure out of possession was excellent. And it kind of really nullified our options. So um, I was pleased to see Danny back in the team. And, I, and we, we've seen what he can do when he gets gets the time and the space. So, um, yeah, I've got I've got nothing against Danny Mandroyu. Uh I've forgotten the second point. <laughs> so you might as well carry on.
1: Yeah, no worries, So that kind of takes us through, I think, to half-time. And do you know what? For all that Oxford were good, I didn't think that on the balance of play, them going in one nil up was entirely reflective of the game. I thought they were the better side. didn't feel they created anything really clear-cut from themselves. I thought we we weren't at it. I thought we did look jaded. We did misplace some passes. And it wasn't just a case of us trying to force, you know, Creativity. I think there was one or two actually quite lax balls, particularly across the back. I thought that we we looked to play ourselves out of danger once or twice where perhaps a, a, a boot forward was required. But I still felt at half-time that there was a chance that we might get something from the game if we came out with a, a fresh impetus and a fresh drive and, a, and energy. Uh, and, and what we actually came out with was, I, I thought, was a, a pretty poor second half. Now, again... You can credit Oxford a little bit. They didn't need to come out and win the game. They didn't need to be all that good. But certainly after the substitutions, I thought, um, you know, I thought that we lost a little bit of our way in terms of our attacking um, attacking patterns. You know, we, we brought players on, I thought, to go, well, let's get it from a set piece. Let's get it from a hacks throw in. Let's get it from a corner. And we almost did. I can't remember who it was. Touched one wide. Really good, really kind of good effort. But yeah. Um, yeah, I just think we. Do you know what? What four games in a week and a half since Mark Kennedy left? Four games in just under two weeks. I just think that began to show in the second half.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think we we looked a little bit out of ideas in the second half, didn't we? Let's be honest. Um, and Thomas Shaw's clearly done a lot of work to try and make us um, slightly different in possession. The out of possession stuff is very similar, but in possession as we have done over the last three games, we've we've, we've tried to play a bit more football, tried to play through the thirds a bit more and and tried to be a bit braver on the ball. And let's be honest, we tried that in the first half and it it didn't quite work as effectively as it has in the previous three matches. And yeah, I think, you know, Tom's only had a couple of weeks to do this. He he hasn't got a chance to work on plan B yet. And I think that just showed, you know, played against a good team, we ran out of ideas. And let's be honest, the lads looked absolutely shattered, didn't they? They did look shattered. Even last looked tired and he never looks tired. Um, Ethan Arahan looked a bit leggy. Lots of players looked leggy and they've all been asked to play at a higher intensity than they have. The running statistics prove it um, in the previous three games. We just need a break. The well, last just need a break. And I think on the passing statistics, it's interesting because I looked into this because we actually played 100 passes on Tuesday night, more than our average this season. Mm, That's a can. lot. That's a lot of passes. Um, and even and we played 69 passes more into the final third on average than we have normally. Um but actually our percentage of forward and backward passes had a 10% shift. So um, we actually played 5% fewer forward passes and 5% more back passes. So a 10% shift towards those backward passes. And I think that sometimes that's just credit to Oxford, but it's also the fact that uh, our style has changed a little bit. We just we just haven't quite got um, that that second plan yet. And we haven't quite got it. Nailed down to a T, especially when you're tired. And let's not forget, when you're tired, you don't just struggle to run. It's mental tiredness as well, isn't it? Decision making is just that split second slower. Uh, reaction is just that little sl- split second slower, and concentration just lapses that little bit. And I think that just loses your edge. That exit we had last Tuesday against Charlton, which was an energy energy sapping game. I think that it just showed on Tuesday the lads just need just need a break. And and we haven't really seen a huge amount of rotation. Bar um Manjoy, of course, and Vale coming in on, on Tuesday. There hasn't been a huge amount of rotation in the squad, certainly in those first two thirds, in that in all that whole time that Tom Shaw's been in charge. And I think that just started to show on Tuesday night. And you know, the atmosphere was flat, wasn't it? And that's no criticism to the fans. There's nothing to get excited about either. But it just felt like we were the fans and even the players were just waiting for someone to do something out of the blue. Someone to do that little bit of magic and conjure it up from nowhere because it didn't feel like we was going to do you know create anything as a team it had to come from a set piece or a long range shot or something and it just didn't happen and i don't think we can begrudge the the result really
1: no i just thought the atmosphere was quite good in the first half i thought that in the first was, half yeah. yeah i thought in the first half it was and look the second goal didn't help because at one nil you're always in it and, and the chance i'm thinking of was, was in the last minute actually it was alex mitchell from a hacks throw-in. And it, he, he kind of just touched it wide. And the XG on that was 0.25. And I think our XG throughout the whole game was 0.55. So do you know what I mean? One in four times they score, score from that. And that could have been snatching a late draw, were it not for quite an odd moment for Lucas Jensen. I'm going to, you're a keeper, so you're you're going to defend him. I appreciate that. And everybody around me, in fairness, was saying, well, look, he's in credit. He's made some good saves. He's in credit. So a keeper can make an error like that. Um, but it was, I'm going to say it was the fog because it was a howler, wasn't it? And if it had been just a normal day game in bright sunshine, 3pm, and he's done it, I think there would probably be less excuse, but I'm going to blame the conditions for him.
3: OK, well, well, obviously in the keepers' union, I'll happily accept that reason and go with it. Um <laughs> I do think, you know, there's probably going to be a small percentage, that there's going to be that little bit more um kind of moisture on the ball in that regard. Let's be honest, it's a howler, like you said. Um He's he's been he was predicting the cross. He was just half a yard further to his right than he should have been. Ball was actually shot near post. Should be a simple save. He just mishandled it, you know. But I agree with the people that were around you. He the, the guy's in credit, he's been in really good form. Actually mentioned on the pop of Ben last week of how impressed I've been with Jensen, how dominating he is in in his kind of 18 yard box catching crosses. On the whole, his shot stopping is pretty excellent. Let's be honest. He he holds a lot, um, he doesn't parry a lot to be honest, and when he does parry, he parries it a long way away. That decision-making, those split seconds, is is normally on the money. And he has, I think, and will certainly earn us more points this season than he costs us. And you know what? It, of course, it's a disappointing mistake, but every League One goalkeeper is going to make a, a mistake that leads to a goal this season. It's how you react to it. Um, and it's also the fact that it happened in a game where, like you say, we could have snatched something at the end, but in a game against a team that are better than us, That we were already losing, we didn't look like scoring in. Yeah, okay, it cemented the result. I'd rather do it in that game than than in a game we're chasing and that we've got a chance to win. And it loses it in a really important fixture. If he's going to make a mistake that leads to a goal, do it on Tuesday in in that match. When you're one nil down already, and uh, yeah, exactly.
1: I'm going to have one criticism. Going to express one criticism of Jensen, and it's not his distribution, which people might say and people might think. I'm not so sure he's that comfortable with coming off his line in terms of decision-making. And there's been a couple of moments where there was the goal, uh, the Charlton goal, where it looked like he was hesitant to come and try and meet the, 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 the attacker um, as it was probably on a replay that that felt a little bit harsh there was a moment again on tuesday night where the ball's coming to him and he looked to take two steps forward and then think and go back again and 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 it kind of created a chance for oxford so i think that's probably one potential weakness that they can work on i agree with you he's big and dominating i like the way that he dominates his area i admired that about carl rushworth and carl wasn't a big goalkeeper what people have got to remember is people are comparing Carl Rushworth and Lucas Jensen. Carl Rushworth is an England under-21 goalkeeper who next season could very well be playing Premier League football. He could be on the same sort of trajectory, albeit for less money, than, than a James Trafford, for instance. You know, He's doing really well in... Is he with Swansea, I think, now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rushworth, he's doing really well. He's getting rave reviews. He's a top goalkeeper. Whereas Lucas Jensen is a goalkeeper that was available on a permanent deal to a League One side. That's not to say he's not a good goalkeeper, but we're not talking about a Carl Rushworth. We're talking about the sort of, you know, dare I say, a slight step down from a Carl Rushworth um, to be able to come here on a permanent deal. Um, and again, he's young; he can develop. You don't know where a goalkeeper's going to go. A goalkeeper can reach his best term days when he's in his thirties. I mean, you know, present company accepted, of course. Uh, but <laughs> do you know what I mean. It's so. I'm not going to be critical of Jensen. It was a mistake. I remember Alex Palmer, in my opinion, is one of the best goalkeepers we've had at Lincoln City in my lifetime. And he made two or three errors on a cold Tuesday night at the LNER or since or bank, as I should be calling it. You can tell I've been writing articles for something other than the Stacey West you, today with the LNER. Um, Anything more to say about Oxford, do you think?
3: Not really. Um, I I have one point, I suppose, which is, it's one of those I'm more than happy just to draw a line through. I don't feel any different about our current situation, now, than I did before kick-off, yeah, it hasn't great. changed my mind on, on the overall situation of Lincoln City. And, you know, most games do have a small impact. They do change your your, your your kind of mentality and your opinion a little bit. We didn't learn anything from Oxford that we didn't know. The lads need a rest. Oxford are good. But you tell you what, if that's the standard, we're not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, Agreed. Agreed. And curiously, only the fourth time this season in the league that we've had more possession than the opposition over the course of 90 minutes. And I think that that was more reflective of the fact they got the early goal. They allowed us to yeah. have a little bit of possession and were, were really organised. Had they not scored that early goal, I don't think the outcome would have been all that different. I think they probably would have upped up the gear a little bit, whether we would then have been able to exploit some space, because I actually really like the look of Jack Vale on his first start. He didn't, do an awful lot in terms of getting the ball. And he looked to be probably not quite on the same wavelength as Danny Mandroyu once or twice. Like he goes long and Mandroyu plays the pass in short, etc. But, you know, when, when we do get our players back, I think that Vale's going to, and, and he gets time rather to, to train with Danny Mandroyu, I think he'll be, uh, you know, an asset. So I'm like you, do you know what? Not every game of the 46 tells you anything at all. Not every scene in a film. Develops the plot, does it? And I, I don't think there was anything um, from Tuesday night other than uh, the fog rolling in that makes it memorable. And that's why we will remember it. We'll remember it for the weather and nothing else. You know, and there's not many games like that. The last game I there's two other games I remember for the weather: snow against Grimsby, and we won three mm-hmm. one, I believe. Harry was um, scored. I remember oh, that. was it one nil? We beat. Was it the one nil? I thought we'd beaten three ah. one the day of the snow but I might be wrong then.
3: You're the Lincoln City historian, not me. I'm not, I'm not good at that sort of thing.
1: We might just have proven that I'm not. Um, (laughs) And Morecambe, when it was so cold, I genuinely, I I was getting icicles forming in my beard. Was that Jason Shackle's free kick? There we are on the same wavelength Yeah, it was the
3: coldest I've ever been at a football match that was. uh,
1: People will hear me banging away now in the background because I want to check uh, to see if it was the day of the snow it was an early kickoff. off uh, the day that we played because Scott Wharton scored in that one, Lee Frecklington. That was a March, March the 17th, 2018. Does that sound like it was the snow? I have no idea. Ooh, a little peek behind the curtain, if that sounds odd. We've just paused the podcast to have a quick look, and it was the day, uh, 3-1 was the day of the snow, so apparently that's good. Right. So we move on. We don't want to talk about Oxford anymore. We want to talk about things that are a little more relevant, and that's going to be the managers. Now, I'm going to talk about the two favourites as they are at the moment, because I think there have been developments or points we can discuss around both of them. So I'm going to touch on Stephen Bradley first. Um, now, Obviously, Stephen Bradley's a name that's been linked with the Lincoln job before. There's talk that we approached him before. It's just one he's just won his fourth title. I've been keeping an eye on the situation. There's two really interesting things happened over the last couple of days. First of all, there was a news report in Ireland where he spoke about somebody behind the scenes at Shamrock that he hadn't been entirely happy with. He doesn't go into any huge detail, but his his little boy's been ill, apparently, which I think has been really tough for him. And I I don't know if he's kind of pulling through, but he's he's had some family trauma. And he talks a little bit about, um, just I think a bit discontent behind the scenes, which seems an odd thing to do after winning the fourth title. I mean, it might just be he's an honest person, of course. Uh, And then there's also, he's lashed out at the Cork City manager as well for not giving them a guard of honour Um, after uh, in their their recent game they got one against Derry City they didn't against Cork City uh, Cork City now I was chatting to an Irish football fan last night uh, for for quite a while who said there's a real feeling in Ireland particularly uh, no matter what's being said about five in a row that Stephen Bradley is heading out of Shamrock Rovers um there's a goalkeeper who has been playing for him recently who has started talking about Stephen Bradley's future and saying if he goes to Scotland, he'll be a, a huge success in Scotland. So we've heard, uh, Chris, that um, he's committing his future to Shamrock. But what are your thoughts on on hearing that? Because I don't think I told you that off air, had I said? So.
3: No, no, that's news to me, to be honest. Um, that's really interesting. Like, like You mentioned Scotland there. So just because he may well be leaving Shamrock, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be coming here, but it obviously opens the door a little wider for that to happen, doesn't it? And me and Ben discussed this briefly last week. And I think just in terms of like a journey with the squad, it appears that they're kind of getting towards the tail end of a journey together because it's, it's, it's actually an ageing squad. There's not a huge amount of youth development going on at Shamrock currently. There's a couple of young players that have had minutes, but nothing, nothing too much. A lot of the key players are in their 30s. It almost seems like the end of a chapter, really, at Shamrock at the moment, with him being out of contract as well very soon. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all um, for him to be leaving Shamrock. I think that's that's quite likely, to be honest. Um, and I didn't really take a lot of what he said in the media around the five in a row at face value anyway. Um, at the same time, I didn't take that to, to mean, suddenly that that definitely means he's going to be coming here. Of course, it increases the probability that that's, there's potential for that. Um, and as we discussed before, for me there's there's a top two. There's actually another person kind of in the running now, isn't there, in the in the odds in Liam Richardson. We'll touch on that, I think, briefly. But for me, there's there's a top two still in regard to who I would be happy with. Um Stephen Bradley absolutely is one I think there's a lot of he ticks a lot of boxes, uh and of course the other one's the obvious in, in Danny Cowley. Um so yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, you know. I think his oldest did tumble, didn't he, when he was talking in the Uh, in the press about the whole five in a row. That seemed to really influence the the betting. Uh, He went from like seven to four down to eight to one. It was a huge shift. Uh, And he's still there at the moment. But yeah, I probably think he's definitely going to go somewhere. It's just where.
1: So in his post-match TV interview on Friday after they'd played Cork City, he said... Um, and this is around his his son being ill. Off the pitch, it was difficult. People were coming at you from within and outside, which is not nice. It's not nice. I have a serious problem at home to deal with with my son. We're in hospital every week. And for someone to attack me personally is not right. But tonight's not about that. It's about what we've achieved. I will talk about it in the future. Um, now, I do also think that that kind of puts a little bit of context around his personal situation, that it may yeah. actually not be the right time for him to take any job whatsoever he that may be what he's considering as well yeah he so, may
3: well leave shamrock but then his time for his next move
1: yeah so his odds tumbled somebody else's or his odds got wider rather somebody else's odds tumbled for the bradford city job this week So at the beginning of the week, Danny Cowley was suddenly red-hot favourite. I don't understand odds, but there was a small number and then a big number next to each other. And when the small number comes first, that means it's short odds, apparently. So I wouldn't know. i never win. Um, Four to five. Danny Cowley, Bradford City manager. I thought, ah, that's nothing, is it? That's nothing. Today, it turns out that, um, or certainly it's reported, that Danny Cowley had agreed terms with Bradford City and has now done a U-turn For family reasons. Now, what we hope, what I hope, not everybody, I hope that that's his imps family, uh, not his Cowley family. So, I mean, (laughs) it's an interesting development. I've got two thoughts on this. Okay. First of all, it's the obvious one. It's the two and two equals, I don't know, four or five. We don't know. But it's Danny interviewed for another job, agrees terms for another job. Then a job that he might prefer is still available. He turns the first job down. It looks like a story unfolding, as you would expect, like the plot of a Disney movie. You know how it's going to turn out. And it looks like we're at that point. My other consideration then was, well, if he agreed terms on Monday with Bradford, is it that actually he got words that Lincoln were not going to interview him or that Lincoln the Lincoln job was there not available and therefore he's gone off to talk to Bradford. Would he have agreed terms with Bradford knowing that there was a potential of the Lincoln job? So actually, this could be reflective of the fact that he's not in the running for the Lincoln job. So to conclude, we don't know anything. Chris?
3: Uh, we don't know anything, but let's not pretend for one second that both you... And I know for a fact that you are the same. Both you and I... Read that story. Deep down, we were delighted because obviously, if he had gone to Bradford, he was going to Bradford. He's not going to be ours. The fact that he's turned them down, we've we've still got a a an opening. We both want that to happen. It makes it more likely. And so I, I I can be as objective as I possibly can. We've explained the benefits of Stephen Bradley, and I will absolutely back him if that does come to fruition. And it's a lot makes a lot of sense. But I can't hide from the fact that I want Danny Cowley to be Lincoln City's next football manager. And I was absolutely delighted because I only actually saw the news just before we started recording this because you, you said, have you seen this? Um, and yeah, uh, my, my heart did a little flutter. And I was like, oh, it's it's getting a bit more exciting. It might, it might actually come true. Now, of course, it's setting me up for another heartbreak, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> that was my gut feeling. I can't help my gut feeling. You can be as objective as you like, but gut feeling and, and what your heart really wants is, yeah, makes it more likely. And I, I was quite excited. I was thinking, yeah, let's get the band back together.
1: It reminded me of being a teenager when somebody is telling you that a girl that you fancy is going to go out with like another guy and then at last minute it's like, oh, no, she's she's turned him down. She do not want him. And you think, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I just exactly. Record, it, it was never me, uh, <laughs>
3: to be fair. Yeah, but at um, that time you didn't know. And you, it, no. it was more likely to be at that time than it was if they got with the, the first guy
1: it's the hope that kills you it certainly it really is, is. It now the girl from is. another school that, that nobody's thought about courting quite rightly is liam richardson liam richardson jumped to the top of the um betting odds again and i don't like preferring to betting odds because if there's one market you absolutely should not bet on it's the next manager of a football club because the bookies just want to take the money from you so all they've seen in my opinion is a tweet from Darren Whitcoop, who is a journalist for someone or other, probably a red top. I don't know. I don't pay much attention to him, to be honest, um, saying Liam Richardson was interested in the job. And Booyaka Shah, quicker than you can say, get your wallets out, He's suddenly the favourite, which I suppose that they can only pick and choose their favourites based on the uh, on what they know. But what they know is what everybody else knows. So Liam Richardson, in my opinion, has gone to the favourite for the Lincoln City job um, because of that tweet. I'm not sure whether I'd be of the three He's probably the one that I would be least willing to embrace. Um, Personally, I think that he won promotion with Wigan with a really good budget. You know, he he did well to keep them in the, in league one on a shoestring the season before, but he won it with an inflated budget, which has since crippled them and brought them back down. Uh, And I yeah, for me, I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Liam Richardson's the right man for Lincoln. Again, if he did come in, I'd back him, but I don't know what your thoughts are.
3: Yeah, well, firstly, in regards to the reason why he's shot to the top, I, I agree with you one hundred percent in that he's the only manager. And again, it hasn't come directly from him at all. It might be agent, it might just be from nowhere. But in terms of the information that the media have, he's the only manager that has actually expressed interest in Lincoln City. But let's be honest. Lincoln City don't normally um, accept just random um, applications for the job. They already know at least a long list of who they want to go after. Now, of course, Liam Richardson has had success, though. He was, like you mentioned, rightly, he he, he did a brilliant job to keep Wigan up against all odds, really. And then took them up with a with a massive budget. There's no denying he had the budget. It wasn't his choice to have the budget. And often you see teams with big budgets fail. You know, he, he hit expectations in that regard yeah, and okay. was really unlucky. Point. Was then really unlucky to, to get to lose his job when they were um in the championship. Of course, they did come down, but I think they replaced him with Kolo Toro, who then lost his job like a month after that. Like they're a bit of a basket case after that. Um so his most recent jobs have been, you know, he's done well. And it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, because he was available. He has got a decent track record. It wouldn't surprise me for him to have been on, say, like a long list um, of, of potential names. And maybe he has thrown his own hat into the ring, and, and that is something that maybe the board of will or have considered. Um, but I have to agree with you. Again, just got instinct more than anything is, of the three, um, he would be probably the one I'd be least excited about. Uh, I, I agree. Also, I wouldn't be disappointed he's got good credentials and you can absolutely kind of take the glass half full approach with that. And you can absolutely see the benefits to that appointment. But of the three, he's the one that I'd probably be, be less excited about, but it's also the one, let's be honest that both you and I would have probably done the least amount of research into as well and how it really directly fits into the club. Cause it's just happened today really, hasn't it? Um, so yeah. maybe a bit deeper and was able to spend a bit of extra time looking at systems and youth development and all those other things that might fit into the club. Maybe um, he actually fits just as much as the other two do, but at the moment for me, it's still. I'm still in Camp Cowley, and I'll be honest, it'll take quite a lot for me to get out of that camp.
1: Camp Cowley, that sounds like like a, a an American camp where all the kids go, and then a, a serial killer comes around, doesn't it? It's like oh nightmare at Camp Cowley. I'm thinking of Jason Camp Crystal Lake, wasn't it? Jason Voorhees Camp <laughs> Crystal Lake. Have you never
3: watched any of the Friday? No, no, I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of of horror films. Oh no, I despise honest. them.
1: I despise them because of the Friday the 13th. I remember mum and dad, um, when, I, I, when I was a kid and I was saying like 12, 13, and we had Sky and mum and dad went to the pub and they were watching Sky movies and I was in on my own. I, oh, Friday the 13th. I watched that. I remember putting it on and absolutely scarring myself um, <laughs> in the first like 20 minutes. There was a, he was in a, a, a coffin and a lightning strike. For some reason, he's in a coffin. I think this is what happened. Um, and somebody goes to the coffin to open it up to kill him. Well, you know, he's in a coffin you know read the signs read the room uh, and then they hit him with a uh, they like put a spike through him or something then lightning strikes it and he comes alive i may have completely misread or misremembered that so anyone who's seen friday the 13th maybe the fourth fifth or sixth one um if that happens let me know in the first one do you know the first friday the 13th jason Voorhees isn't the killer in the first friday the th- yeah, okay the first friday I'm Sorry, it means nothing to me. it's his mum Patricia he's oh, I think. a twist! Also, yeah, also stars a young Kevin Bacon uh, killed in oh. that one. I don't know how we've well, gone. We to go. that.
3: Shall feel, we go to? I feel massively educated on horror films now. Thank you. Yeah.
1: So that's it. Camp Cowley Lake. Um, shall we go to an advert break? Let's do that. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love.
2: Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Boom.
1: Thank you, sponsors. That's, um, yeah,
3: brilliant. Something really interesting, by the way, um, about that ad break, something that we may not have considered. Because I listened to the podcast when I was in, in Berlin because I'm a sucker for punishment, probably. Yeah. and the advert was in german when i was in germany well, so it's clearly yeah so maybe the ads are personalized i didn't know if that's location the case, specific they are
1: yeah very so if if i'm listening to it tomorrow and an advert comes on for box or a clutch <laughs> <laughs> buy your new if it's me coming on going Buy your new Clutch. It's great. Get one delivered from home <laughs> with Mc, McClutch. <laughs> I think McClutch would be a good um, a protagonist in our Camp Cowley horror movie. Absolutely. Could be, McClutch could be the jock that kind of gets killed at the end after protecting the uh, protecting the pretty girl. <laughs> McClutch. McClutch at Camp Cowley Lake. Anyway, whew, we're talking stories, films, narratives, plots and tales. Um no tale gets told quite like an FA Cup tale. We know that more than anybody, uh, 2016, 17. I still can't hear the words Emirates FA Cup and instantly popping into my head is that green-shirted Sean, uh, Sean Rowan. It's it's not even the rise, it's the as he runs away and then he doesn't know how to celebrate and falls over. That's our FA
3: Cup. Oh, Sean Raggett.
1: What a legend. I said Rowan, but, but, didn't I? No,
3: you did. No one can ever you take did. that moment away from us. Oh, i've no. never celebrated a goal in my life like i've celebrated that goal i i cried like a it? big girl yeah it, i it all completely overtook me i, I couldn't contain myself it was a, a final whistle Oh, you no one can take that away from us it was magical the fa cup is magic it is
1: it, is. it was for chippenham last year
3: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> we had obviously to watch uh watch a, a german game and yeah chippenham because i was trying to think of FA Cup first round games and at Sinsil Bank, and they're always kind of poorly attended. You you always see slightly fewer fans, I think, because it's not part of the season ticket deal. It's an awkward time of the year. You know, this is it's going to be the the middle of three Saturdays. So no, it's not because we were away on Saturday. It's going to be the middle one of the middle games of four home games, though, isn't it with Oxford? Morecambe, Notts County and the Mickey Mouse or the BDM trophy, I think it's called now, isn't it? It's got a name. Yeah, yeah. It's nearly BDSM. There's just one letter missing and that's really quite awkward. Um, BSM, I think. Uh, And then obviously Port Vale. So it'll be poorly attended. I don't know. There's something about it getting wrapped up. It's always chilly. The clocks have always just changed. It tends to be the first game where the floodlights come on at half time. It just signals for me this is where the season ramps up um, and you might lose to Chippenham or you might beat Bowers and Pizzi, uh 1-0 when probably, probably didn't deserve to. But it's Morecambe. The last time we played Morecambe, it was blazing sunshine and we were all in fancy dress. It seems a lifetime ago now. Um, Let's get to let's get some expert opinion on it, because 42 minutes in, you probably deserve somebody classed as an expert. Um, Ben Ward, (laughs) don't worry, it's not him. um, He's been interviewing (laughs) Morecambe fan uh, Dave Salmon. Dave does the I follow commentary for Morecambe. He is a top, top bloke. I do his podcast every year a guy I've got so much time for. He's telling Ben what a great start they've had to the season.
0: I'm Paddy O'Connor and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. You did see you did see the club slide back into League Two um, at the end of the season. How has it been? How have you guys adjusted? Um, has there been many wholesale changes? Obviously, there's one big change that we'll, we'll, we'll come on to, no doubt. But you, you seem to have had a decent start. So how have you, have you seen the adjustment period so far?
4: We've had a very decent start, Ben. I think it's... Arguably, uh, no, actually, not even argument. I think it is definitely beyond anybody's wildest expectations. Before a ball was kicked, we were we were in a bit of a predicament in the summer because we didn't know where we were in terms of the ownership. That still hasn't been resolved. It's been going on for more than a year now, and uh, budgets and, and and everything to do with the, uh, how we were going to fund the playing side of the club going forward, especially going down into League Two, of course, and the money's less in League Two than it is in League One by by, by definition of it being a lower division. I I guess but uh, uh, we found ourselves in a situation where we only had six contracted players for the following season yeah. and because we were that uncertain of our budgets we had to let everybody who was out of contract go and included all of our star players, if you will, so Cole Stockton and, and Connor Ripley and 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 all of our loan players went back as well because we simply couldn't afford at that moment to offer them any sort of contract. It then partially got resolved in the summer and uh, there was uh, something of a playing budget formulated and uh, but it meant that all of the that the bigger players, the better players, if you will, from the League One campaign, uh, they all went off to passage new. Uh, all the players that have come in are either young loans or they've been signed on a one-year contract because we don't know what the future holds. Uh, so we couldn't offer them any anything longer than that. And of course, that means that your pool of players that you can attract is significantly reduced. Yeah. Uh, if you can only offer a one-year deal or you can only pay a certain uh, salary, You get who you get. So to get the calibre of players through the door that we have um, is is quite remarkable, really. Uh, There's a definite emphasis on youth, trusting in young up-and-coming players, whether that's uh, rough diamonds from from other clubs or young players on loan from from higher division sides who have got great potential. And uh, we've got one or two experienced players, of course, you have to have a bit of a mix, but uh, trusting in youth generally. And uh, I think before a ball was kicked... Uh, to where we are now, To, to if, if you'd have said in the end of July, you'll have 27 points from 15 games, you'll be in the playoff spots. If we'd have won against Barrow on Tuesday night, we would have gone second. Uh, and what a time to have a complete off night, by the way. I know it was, <laughs> I can't comprehend it really. But we're still six in the table with a game in hand on everybody above us, uh, and we'd be in the top three if we if we win that. So uh, we're in a great position, far better than I suppose we could ever have possibly imagined. But it's been a really, really good start to the season. Yeah,
0: excellent stuff. I mean, you know, I think it was it, there was a little bit of a perception maybe that that Morecambe were kind of always punching above their weight a little bit in League One and it was you know it it always seemed you were down and it it, almost like a bit of a a miracle at the end of each season to to sort of see you guys staying up um do you I mean pre-season expectations obviously they were quite low do you imagine that they can build on what's happening at the moment maybe bring in a few more bodies in January and, and bulk the squad out a little bit if that's needed
4: We've definitely got uh, a, a small squad, uh, probably in terms of number of players. I think we have 22-person, uh, first-team squad, two goalkeepers in that. So th- that isn't enough to sustain it for the whole season. And uh, I suppose going with youth uh, and, and, and a fit, keen, hungry nucleus of players, that, that's good and it's paying dividends at the moment. But I suppose going forward, we are going to need uh, to get some bodies in in January I don't think anybody apart from right inside the inner workings of the club knows if there's any kind of budget for strengthening in January. We're going to have to get a couple of bodies through the door because we won't be able to last a full 55 game season on on, on what we have. And uh, to rely on 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 teenagers uh, for the whole season, that is going to be quite the ask, our main central striker is 19, Michael Mellon uh, the two players who play just behind him both 19 and one is 20 Uh, so it's going to be a big ask for them to go the whole campaign without getting injured uh, or or, or a bit of burnout Uh, so we are going to have to strengthen Uh, but so what we've got at the moment Ben is, uh, is is a great nucleus of keen Hungry players, and uh, we are where we are because that's where we deserve to be. Quite frankly, we've played some terrific football over the last month or so. We don't want to big ourselves up too much, and then it will come crashing down on Saturday because <laughs> uh, the game against Barrow on Tuesday night is a case in point where we just completely had a terrible night at the office. But uh, uh, if we are on our game, we, we'll, we will cause you some problems. Uh, we, we hit on the break with pace on the counter attack, and uh, we're super fit. So, uh, so far, so good. I'm Ethan Arahon and I'm listening to this role. Oh, who's listening to it? Oh, you. Yeah, yeah, So, you're so I'm saying like you're listening. Yeah,
2: to this yeah.
1: You're stuff. listening. Brilliant. So thank you, Ben. Thank you, Dave, of course, as well. Um, just in that little break, uh, and we don't actually listen to it. I drop it in later. But Chris has actually just said to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piss on his bonfire now. I'm assuming not Ben's. I'm assuming you mean Dave Salmon's. Um, Morecambe have had a really good start to the season. Um, but Chris is, he's anxiously waiting to knock it apart with numbers, which I know is great, but I'm just going to raise a point that, um, Derek Adams is a manager who knows what he's doing. is a manager who can organise a team not to get beat. He's a manager that can set a team up to go and win. They've done really well in the loan market. They've taken Mick, Michael Mellon, I think it is, from Burnley, who has scored a lot of goals. Young lad. He'll be in League Two next season already. I can tell that from the goals he's scored. He's, he's another like a Callum Morton who goes into League Two, does well. He'll step up. He'll be in League One. So why, Chris, are you going to ruin the party
3: Well, it is numbers. It is underlying numbers. Now, they're not bad. I'm not going to say they're a poor team, but they are currently in sixth. And I just get the feeling that's a slightly elevated position from their true quality. Um, Now, caveats here. And you're absolutely right. Firstly, it's the FA Cup. The FA Cup is magic. Anything can happen. And we've had our magical time, but we've also been stung, like last season. And you're absolutely right. Um, Derek Adams knows knows how to win, knows how to set teams up. And we also, as much as we take competitions really seriously at Lincoln City. The lads need a break. They need a rest. I think we will rotate. Not extensively, but I certainly think we'll see some some rotation in the squad, which means we're, at least on paper, going to be just slightly weaker than what we would class as our full strengths. So there are a lot of caveats in that regard. But um, particularly in their last five games, I'm going to kind of analyse here. So they've um, they've won four of their last five. The most recent game was the one that they lost. They lost to, uh, to Barrow. That was the only team that they faced in the top eight. Um, despite their wins, uh, so also in that in that they've played uh, Colchester, Sutton, and Tranmere, who occupy the bottom three of the bottom four positions in the league, and in every single one of those last five games, Morecambe's xG has actually been worse than their opponents, despite their results. Um, so that would indicate to me that all those things combined, just like I was quite scaling about our underlying metrics um, attacking a few weeks ago. You just expect that to just... I mean they, they may just start to slide down the table. It's just maybe falsely elevated them above um, their true position. For me, they're probably a mid-table lead Two side. They're certainly not struggling lead Two side, not by any means. They can score goals. You mentioned Michael Mellon. So good, son of Mickey, by the way. Um Scored nine goals so far. This season. Yeah, he is. But he doesn't uh, want to be called Mickey. Okay. He's, he uh, doesn't want to take the Mickey, does he? But he... Uh,
1: um... I did wonder. When he said Michael Mellon's leading our line, I thought, bloody hell, he was scraping the barrel. But,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, that. yeah. So, um for me... Despite the fact it's the FA Cup and the FA Cup is magic, Derek Adams is a manager. He knows what he's doing, and we probably will rotate. I'm actually still reasonably confident that we can get through this. I don't know if it'll be a pretty game. I don't know if it's something that we're going to win convincingly, but I do back us to win this, um, probably because I think Markham are going to be confident because of their results, regardless of the underlying numbers. You get those results, you feel really confident, confident, confident but they have lost their last game against uh, against Barrow. So yeah, they're the reasons really why. Um, I've got a bit of confidence. It's not as scary a tie as maybe their form may suggest. Um That's my two-pin. Num-
1: those numbers are frightening, aren't they? Morecambe 4, Wimbledon 1. Wimbledon's XG was 2.92 uh, to 2.18 from Morecambe. And in that game, they, they won 4-1. They had half as many shots, 10 to Wimbledon's 24, and their possession was only 40%. Tranmere, who I think have named Nigel Adkins as their permanent manager today. Um, they won 1-0, 1.09 to 1.61 xG. Um, and actually, it, if you carry on down, Colchester 1.33 xG, but they scored three goals, 2.56 xG for Colchester, who scored one. Now, it could be that actually they're conceding the chances, but defensively and goalkeeper-wise, they're very good at stopping them. And uh, Mellon is obviously banging goals in for them where you know, outstanding goals.
3: But it's, it's not, uh, they're just concede that they've got higher XG in their opponents. They're, they've got quite a high XG against um, the league, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's not just luck. Obviously, not always just luck, but there's an element of uh, of luck there. If you kind of extrapolate that across the whole season, you fully expect the goals conceded compared to their expected goals conceded to get significantly closer together than they are now. That's the deduction that you'd make, just as, as the deduction that we made for us from our attacking metrics, is that we would score less and less and less goals than we were doing early season if those numbers continued. So, yeah, I'm not here to kind of massively criticise Morecambe. It doesn't mean they're a poor side, but it maybe means they're not necessarily a top six League Two side. They're probably maybe a top 12 League Two side. And there should the be I... spaces for us to exploit going forward.
1: They are actually fifth worst for XG against 25.6. Only Sutton, Crew, Salford and Colchester are worse um in the division but what i'm going to say in their defense is um so lowest xg scored as well they're third from bottom in terms of xg scored so they are riding their luck so they are if the numbers are to be believed they are set for a for a tumble down the table i really like morcom as a football club i yeah, really like morcom um i like the way that they've done their business i like the fact that they, they lost half of the team, if if not more, over the summer because of the ownership issues. They didn't know who they could offer contracts to. I think as Dave said in the preview, you know, they've signed well with, with loan players, they've signed kind of other play, people's cast-offs who they've given second opportunities to, who are kind of rise into the uh, to the challenge. Lots of the players they've signed are on one-year deals and on loans because they still don't know in terms of ownership exactly where they're going to be. For me, that actually gives Derek Adams a huge motivation in this competition because if anything can influence a potential buyer or can attract people potentially to the club, it's a cup run. Um, yes, it it's not It's not the, the the draw that they would have wanted. I believe they're going to come here at full strength. I'm also with you. I believe that there will be a degree of rotation from us. We know that Sean Rowan is injured. Tom Shaw has given that out in his... In his a little pre-match interview. Um, I do want, I think Lass will play uh, uh, somewhere. I think Lass will play because he's got a great engine. I do think it might be Adam Jackson um, sitting out. I think TJ will probably come in. I wouldn't be surprised if um, Jaden Brown doesn't play because he's beginning to become the forgotten man a little bit. And
3: Jack Burr looked knackered on Tuesday night, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so he's a rest. I, the guy's played almost 90 minutes in every game for the last god knows how many weeks he needed a rest and he looked like he needed a rest on tuesday
1: you've got to play the two ethans
3: yeah i'm absolutely
1: unequivocal about that because i think that they if we're going to win the game and we're going to win the game with a slightly weakened side, you do that by keeping the heartbeat of the team there they had an off game against oxford but they've generally been very very good my hope is of course that alex mitchell is not cup tied i hope that he's Millwall haven't kind of put a a knock-up tie but put clause in saying he can't play because we had that with Josh Griffiths, I think a year or two ago, didn't we? So, um, I'm hoping that's not the case. Up top, it's anybody's guess. I would still expect us to play Jack Vale, um, if he's allowed. And I I think Mandroyu
3: and Vale will probably both start. It's that third one that could be really interesting.
1: Well, for me, you've got to be looking at Shadipo or Adelican. Then I wonder if he might go with Adelican. For the threat, for the long throw threat, for the um, for the uh, for the set pieces, and try and get our, our noses ahead that way. We don't know if Shadipo's fit or not. I mean, I'm not even sure if he was on the bench again on Saturday. He wasn't. I don't if, think. No. Tuesday, so it's proving a little bit difficult to see where he's going to fit in in on in, in terms of a short term deal. So um, that's my that would be my idea of a of the team. If and when you actually read it back like that, there's not an awful lot of rotation there, is there, is there?
3: No, the only thing that I might add—I I agree about starting with the both, both Ethan's. But if we can manage to get a lead, and a, like let's say we get, we're fortunate enough to get a 2 0 lead, wouldn't surprise me to see one go off and maybe Ali Smith fill in one of those roles. 100%. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't even surprise me to see Ali Smith starting in one of those front three roles. To be honest, I think the guy deserves deserves a role in the team, but I think it's a risk starting in one of those two deeper roles because the other two have got such an understanding and they complement each other so well. And that's no criticism to Smith. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think I would be a little bit uneasy if one of them um, didn't start just because I just feel really solid with the both in there. It's that front three ahead of them and how we organise that that I think we can maybe experiment a little bit. And if Alex Mitchell is allowed to play, I agree. I fully expect to see TJ and I fully expect to see um, Jaden Brown. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of rotation, it's kind of a three or four um, players there. That's a little bit of rotation. And then the lads, of course, have got um, like the key players you expect will then have a full week recovery with the fringe players and probably a few youth players like Gallagher, for example, um potentially coming back and, and playing the trophy game against uh notts county on notts Tuesday.
1: County. Now one thing I wanted to point out about Morecambe. I mean they play like a I think they'll play a four, two, three, one. I think that's pretty much what Derek Adams likes. It's yeah. the midfield pairing that's really interesting. Now they've got Eli King in on loan from Cardiff, who's doing relatively well. Did you happen to spot who their other central midfielder was? No, Jacob Davenport. Oh, him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I really liked Davenport.
3: Yeah, and that um, sixty minutes we saw of him, he was great yeah. for us, wasn't he?
1: And, and I think that's the type of player that. That's why Dave was kind of getting quite excitable about about what their business because they've actually done really well to recruit those sorts of players that dropped off the radar. He's played fifteen games in the league for them this season. Um, so I've. I, I, I like the lad. I think he's a really good footballer. And I think he's probably one of the reasons why you need to have our first choice midfield in, because if they do come with King and Davenport, who are forming a decent um, a decent understanding in front of their back four, you know we need to control that midfield. We didn't do that on Saturday. And you know if you fail to control the game, you end up with, like we did against Hartlepool a couple of years ago, after the Bowers game where we lost to Hartlepool. And that was, it was just awful. It was just dour. If we can get a foothold and we can control the midfield and um then we've got to try and unpick what will we'll be quite a defensive formation it may it's a four two three one but it'll look very much like a four five one while we're in possession I think and that means it could be a lot more like Burton uh, and a lot less like charlton so it could yeah. be difficult it could be difficult and that's why you've got to have arahan and Hamilton on the side and that's why for me rather than Smith out wide I'd like to see somebody who has got a natural um, drive, And I think Adelican in the last couple of games, when he gets on the ball, he does want to get forward. I mean, there's no doubt whatsoever. You, you can put like the the whole story and the redemption arc and all of that to one side. Actually, in terms of driving the team forward, in terms of wanting to make things happen, that's something that Adelican, I feel, has brought to his game more this time than he did two years ago when he first came to the team. I think he looks more forward thinking and a little more driven.
3: Yeah, he has a real desire to get on the ball. And I think after... Um, he's kind of lost of form under Appleton. He maybe I don't like to say you hid, but you, you do naturally. Just kind of you don't necessarily want to go and get the ball. If it comes to you, you'll accept it, but you don't necessarily always demand it. It seems like he's demanding the ball, um, and I think that's something that's really positive to see. Is certainly, in that front line. If you want the ball, um, and, you know you're always taught as a player. If, if there's a player in a good position and they are demanding the ball, give him to the ball. He's got he's confident. Give him, give him the ball, then play, then then move from there. It makes your mind up for you. You haven't got to try and find a pass. It's a pass on. They've made it available for you. And I think that's something that Adelican really added. And I, I agree with you. It's weird because as, as good as he's been, I always keep kind of discounting him and thinking, oh, I'll be decent off the bench. But the, the guy deserves to play. He does. And I like Ali Smith. I really like Kelly Smith. I think he's got a lot to offer from Lincoln City. Um, as I just mentioned, I'd, like, I'd probably quite like to see him play on Saturday. Um, but with the dynamic of, let's say, Vale up top with Mandroyu, I think we do need that kind of that channel runner uh, and that kind of pocket finder. And I don't think that is Ali Smith. I think he has a different kind of skill Um Yeah. So I'm with you. I think, I think, I think Adelican is, is probably someone I'd like to see in that front three and probably deserves it.
1: Cool. So that's Morecambe. Do we want a game of Boridge around Morecambe or not? Can we think of anybody? Oh, I, have, I forgot
3: about, I forgot about Boridge. I'm going to be crap at this, but um, yeah, I'm happy to play a quick I'll game let of you go.
1: I'll let you go first then. I'll let you go first.
3: I can't even remember the guy's first name, but he plays for them now. Melbourne, left back.
1: Max Melbourne. Max, okay. Max Melbourne. Does he play for them now, does he? i would missed Or oh, he has
3: played. He played for them recently anyway. last year Yeah, he well, he there, has played
1: there. for both. Yeah, he has. Uh, so I will go for, well, I made the mistake earlier. I'll go for Jordan Borough. He was at Morgan.
3: <laughs> of course. Ah, um, I feel like it's an obvious one.
1: There's, there's at least one more that I can think of that's fairly obvious. <laughs> Do you know what? There's a really obvious one when you think about it.
3: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I hate this game. Oh, I'm going to have to say Borridge And I, I'm, I'm almost 99. I'm almost 100% sure Borridge did not play for Morecambe. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to say it. On the list.
1: Do you know what you should have said? Go you on. should have said Jacob Davenport. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> 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 you literally just talking about him. Oh my god! I had uh, I had Kevin Ellison. Oh, that's a great shout. Was an obvious one, and I think I think Craig Stanley played for Morecambe. I think I
3: reckon there's quite a few when you come to think of it. But yeah, when you're on a a spot, you forget all footballers, don't you? I know
1: you do. I know Um, Tony Dianya did. I think he he was at Morecambe.
3: Yeah, no, no, he definitely did. Definitely did. Um, That's a good shout. All right, stop showing off. You win. Again, <laughs> is that four? four out
1: of four now, is it? Well, technically, I had two games with Charlie last week. I think I won both of them.
3: Brilliant! So, of course you did.
1: The thing, the thing is, you know, it's almost as if um, knowing the team in advance is a help, but because obviously I said Charlton Borough, and he's like, "Oh, hang on, we'll play, uh, we'll we'll play that later. We'll play Borough later. <laughs> so we might have to firm the rules up a little bit for borage in the future." Um, right. The final thing that I wanted to mention was Tyler Walker. So obviously Mm -hmm. he was back on the grass. Tom Shaw clarified what back on the grass means in his post-match, not post-match pre-match interview. I keep getting that wrong. Um, so Tyler Walker being back on the grass doesn't mean that he's taking part in five-a-side games and doing all of that sort of stuff. It means that he's out of the gym and he's doing kind of the outdoor work and some of the physical and and, and strength building stuff. As far as I am aware, um, and as well I am aware, because Tom said it in his interview, so that's a ridiculous thing to say. Um, he's not involved with the main group at the moment, so he'll be doing strength and conditioning work rather than being involved with the with the main group. I don't think Tyler Walker will be back in the Lincoln City shirt. Um, in in a competitive nature uh, for a good few weeks yet. I don't know. Yeah. I would but if I was going to put a date on it. I would probably look at FA Cup second round weekend and go, Joe. You know what if we've got through and if we've got a second round game? There's a or if we've got a next round game in the EFL Trophy. I think that's the next time that we probably see Tyler Walker. So just I just wanted yeah. to clarify that back on the grass didn't mean back in contention.
3: Good point. Yeah, I think I still think we will probably won't see him in November. Yeah, definitely. I think December, December at the earliest. But but that kind of fits in with the estimated timescales um, when Mark Kennedy mentioned his injury first time round. Um I think it was a nice, it was a nice surprise to hear he's kind of getting on well and he's back on the grass. And of course, naturally, that makes you think, oh, is he a little bit closer than maybe we thought he was? But if we think back, you know, he's he was scheduled to come back around December time anyway when Mark Kennedy mentioned it first time round. I think what it means is he's. He's on track for that. Still, he hasn't had a he hasn't had a, a setback. yet, but let's not get carried away just yet. No, absolutely not.
1: Now, just before we wrap up, I'm actually going to double check to see if John Borridge did play for Morecambe. Uh please, I, please I play actually, for Morecambe. I didn't actually check. So here is a I'm not gonna I'll read the list out because it's not fair me seeing the John Borridge list every week and, and other people just going. So, Workington, Blackpool, Villa, South End, Crystal Palace, Queen's Park Rangers, Wolves, Derby, Sheffield United, Southampton, Newcastle, Liburnian, Newcastle, Scarborough, Lincoln, Enfield, Aberdeen, Newcastle, Dunfermline, Dumbarton, Falkirk, Man City, Notts County, Wettn-Albion, Darlington, Grimsby, Gateshead, Northampton, Queen of South, Perth, Leek, Blythe Spartans, Scarborough, Blythe Spartans.
3: That's a hell of a career, isn't it? That's a hell of a career. You know, like it reminds a... me of, this is, you'll, I loved it, this is a great one. Trevor Benjamin, remember him? yeah. I think he's probably similar in terms of number of clubs played for.
1: Trevor Benjamin, he was at Cambridge for a while, wasn't he? He
3: was. I think he started. Trevor Benjamin, are you ready? I am. Cambridge, Leicester,
1: Palace, Norwich, West Brom, Gillingham, Rushton, Brighton, Northampton, Northampton, Coventry, Peterborough, Watford, Swindon, Boston, Walsall, Hereford, Gainsborough, Northwich, Victoria, Hednesford, Wellingbrook, Kidsgrove, Tamworth, Harrogate, Woking, Sunshine, George Cross, Bedlington Terriers, Roxham, Morpeth, Morpeth, and Seaton Delaval. With an England number twenty one cap and two Jamaica caps. There you go. So if you are a Cambridge, Leicester, Palace, et cetera, et cetera, podcast, why not play your own game of Benjamin? It's a little bit like Burridge, um, but just with a few more league clubs. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, dogs, cats, whoever else is listening. We've been the Stacey West podcast. As always, we've been exceptional. You are even more exceptional for tuning in and listening. This is the number one place for all of your Lincoln City chatter, however irrelevant. If you can fix a clutch, get in touch. Up the imps. Help the Imps.
2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone.
1: You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See
0: mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.